BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Well, we now have one fewer things to discuss, Danny, because Jason Kidd has been removed from his position as head coach in Milwaukee. And the way that we found out couldn't have been like more apropos today. We were recording our first episode for Stitcher Premium, which we're going to be doing one podcast a month for them. And our first episode is Coach Rankings. And lo and behold, right about time it came for number 30, we began discussing one Jason Kidd. And then we wrapped up, checked twitter and literally at the exact same time we began discussing all the reasons why kid was number 30 that was when the news of his firing it broke it was incredible and, and i cracked up because i didn't go straight to twitter i was going to go to the store and then i got a message from you just just lolol and i'm like what happened and then you're like you just check twitter and I'm, I'm so thankful that you didn't spoil it because <laughs> that made it that made it so much crazier because it, it was at ex- basically exactly the same time i think it was about a minute that, that it was there and we had no idea because we were zoned in on the conversation so we didn't have twitter up and so they did end up uh they won their game today against the against the phoenix suns the piece of news that came out of that was that gm john horst said that interim head coach joe prunty is going to be their head coach for the entire season and i think that's the right call because milwaukee there are a lot of elements that make a job desirable it can be pay it can be ownership but competitiveness and star talent are always high on that list and the milwaukee bucks have both of those things yeah they certainly pretty much everyone's saying that this will be the most appealing job in the off season and i should mention too that we're actually to discuss just you know why it was really that jason kidd was in this position i'm going to append that section of that first stitcher premium show to the end of this episode if you want to stick through that it might be cathartic for bucks fans to hear that meanwhile though they have to move forward joe prunty had a nice stint when kidd was injured uh, with uh, that hip surgery a couple of years ago it remains to be seen whether he can fix this defense that's the big reason that they moved on from I mean there are a number of reasons cited by Wode but the biggest one would have to be just that they're the number 25 ranked defense with you know a roster that might be as high as the top five in the NBA in terms of the defensive talent on it and so it'll just be incredibly interesting to see now whether it was the coach I mean we've had other situations like this much as we had many reasons why we thought kid was not doing a good job where they moved on from the coach and it was not a panacea New Orleans is one of those for example we thought they would be a lot better without monty williams and in fact uh, that wasn't the case injuries obviously hurt there uh, as well but there have been a few situations where we was like oh they have so much talent the coach the coach the coach ah well you know actually you know maybe it's the players too Uh, but nonetheless i mean just with the defensive talent on this team you have to expect that they can be better than 25th and that was an unacceptable uh, performance uh, i think now what did you make of kids interview with ramona shelburne uh after the firing occurred (sighs) 
this is it's it's hard kid has always been complicated for me you want to just summarize what he said first sure so basically he talked to ramona about how Giannis called him before he heard from the bucks and said what can i do to that they're they're gonna let you go can i do anything to stop it and how disappointed he was and that doesn't exactly come out right after a firing very often yeah well kid specifically relayed the exact contents of his conversation with anakumpo and you know if i were Giannis, i don't know if i would be that happy about kid just using that conversation immediately in an interview it was supposed to be a private conversation maybe they discussed kid saying that earlier but it just doesn't make kid look good as far as having sour grades and especially that kid responded by telling him there's nothing you can do just tell the truth as in like there's some like miserable aspect of the buck organization that you know did him wrong or whatever and you know certainly the bucks organization has had their issues including with the hiring of the aforementioned john horse where they couldn't agree on who the gm candidate was going to be uh but kid has basically burned bridges every single place that he has left and he wasted no time doing so in milwaukee even though it was not specifically his decision to leave of course the abridged version of what i was going to say before is like i kid i kid is somebody who i have a deeper connection with because he grew up in the barrier he's a little bit older than i am i grew up even though i didn't grow up a big basketball fan i grew up watching jason kidd and this was such a bush league move for somebody to do in a position that he is in obviously there aren't parallels to other jobs because most other jobs you don't talk to national media all the time but you don't do this when you're heading out of out of a position and whether there was some sort of reason that he feels like this needed to be out there he put his star player in a bad position and he basically sent out a beacon to not only NBA teams, but to me to college teams and said, this is what I can do going out the door and just create more crap for you. So don't hire me ever. All right. We have a lot more to get to here as well. And again, you know, we've got, I'm not sure how, exactly how long it is. It's at least, I think, 10 minutes discussing kids' performance and why we thought that they probably should move on from him, which ironically was recorded as, in fact, uh, the news of the firing was leaking. Uh, but first, uh, let's do a read here from our friends. At Quip, the one thing that you do not want to have in life is sweater teeth. That's a term that my sister coined for when you just, you have plaque on your teeth and you run your tongue over them and you can kind of feel it. It feels like your teeth are wearing a sweater. And there was a time when I just brushed with a regular toothbrush and you remember how you were taught to brush and you do all all the quadrants, make sure you go side to side and not up and down and brush for at least two minutes and, and blah, blah. And, you know, I tried to do that fastidiously. I probably, there are many times where I did not brush for two minutes i got lazy or whatever and then i tried a quip toothbrush and my teeth just get so much cleaner with their setup electric toothbrushes in general get your teeth a lot cleaner with a lot less effort but quip has additional features even over just a normal electric toothbrush one of which is it's basically the size of a normal toothbrush it just uses a triple a battery that will last you actually for three months and then they just send you their refill packs they have a subscription service that'll just send you your refill pack so now you're not going to be brushing with some six month old bristles you're actually just get it sent to you and that's your reminder to change up and and put your new brush head on it's far less expensive than most conventional electric toothbrushes at only 25 dollars to start you don't have to recharge it obviously because it has the battery and it has this timer two minutes but it buzzes every 30 seconds to remind you to go do a different quadrant in your mouth it will get your teeth cleaner than anything else that you've tried it really is one of the more revolutionary products over the conventional and they've really been praised by a ton of press it was one of 
Time Magazine's Best Inventions of the Year, 10,000 Dental Professionals, Back Quip as well. The way to get started with them is getquip.com slash capspace. That slash capspace URL, easy to remember, we talk about all the time in the program. You can get your first refill pack free with your Quip electric toothbrush with that getquip.com slash capspace URL. That's getquip, G-T-Q-U-I-P.com slash capspace. Let them know that you came from us. So let's go to this Kevin Love thing now. Yeah, I mean, that was the kind of the afternoon Pacific time little fireball where the Woj has the reporting now there's a piece out about how the Cavs had a fiery team meeting in the practice facility locker room before practice today during which several players challenged the legitimacy of Kevin Love's illness that led him to leave Saturday's loss to Oklahoma City and then miss Sunday's practice yeah and obviously they were already sunk in that Oklahoma City game before then but uh, the meeting was described as loud and intense only calming down once Love spoke to those gathered in the room and explained himself the meeting included Ty Lue and Kobe Altman which is interesting that's not usually these are players only meetings that, that get this fiery they the team supposedly accepted Love's explanation and Woj also noting that within factions of the locker room there has been blame for the Cavaliers struggles directed at everyone from Love to Isaiah Thomas to Lou and the front office led by Altman and owner Dan Gilbert they are amazingly only one game ahead of Miami for third place in the east right now having lost six of their past eight is there anything to take away from this other than just like you know male soap opera drama that we don't have to care about or is, is there an actual takeaway for this on the floor and what the team is really going to do I think there is a takeaway in terms of what the team's going to do because we're so close to the trade deadline and so we don't know if he's on the block but it raises the possibility Kobe Altman was in the meeting and if they're grasping for straws one of the big questions that you and I both had talking on the pod and off the pod was what's on the table for things that they could do and so you know it's like trading Tristan Thompson what about Isaiah and now I think Kevin Love was somebody that I hadn't really thrown into that because he's been having a good season and yes he hasn't been great defensively but guess what playing Kevin Love at center is going to lead to problems and the other part of it that's so surprising to me about this is that Cleveland is really grasping for straws anyway. It's not like they're playing hard on defense and it, their best isn't good enough. This isn't anything close to their best. They know what they are. They know what they can be in chill mode during the regular season and make it to the playoffs and be fine. So that's the part of this that's a story is that they're concerned when I'm very surprised that they're concerned. Yeah, it does seem, and again, Cleveland has this ability to manufacture drama every regular season and certainly a lot more is going to have to happen for me to not consider them the favorites in the Eastern Conference. But there does seem to be a slightly different tenor to this. Let's just remember even the fact that Kyrie Irving is gone now, the fact that they didn't just win the championship last year, you know, to where these guys had that type of equity. Now, I think with that being a little bit more removed, that maybe something along the lines of moving Kevin Love or Isaiah Thomas, when they're talking about maybe being interested in Lou Williams, that certainly evinces a lack of confidence in what Isaiah can bring them the rest of the season but and they also have that Brooklyn pick as well I mean I'll tell you what like Isaiah Thomas Kevin Love and that Brooklyn pick I mean that's like that's almost just like a playoff team by itself if you want to trade it somewhere else so it's they certainly have the ammunition to just completely remake the roster and I think if LeBron James were committed for staying here which I don't blame him for not being committed but and you recall that Mark Stein said hey he thinks that he LeBron's probably going to leave on this very podcast that he'll leave it if they don't win the championship 
which certainly no matter what they do seems to be uh, unlikely possible but unlikely so maybe uh, uh, my only takeaway from this after that long-winded intro is just that and then again who you know who exactly it was who leaked this as well as an interesting one who had the motivation for this story to get out there is something that's interesting to think about yeah it is but yeah but it's just maybe this just indicates that like more things could be on the table for them now that's a and i i think they should trade love i think that they i mean not that it's all love's fault not that he doesn't try hard enough but he does that's the case sometimes uh, he's in a tough position having to play center he, he doesn't have the defensive skills for that but he with some of their defensive limitations they just can't build a good enough defense to beat the warriors or probably houston either frankly if kevin love is on this team even if you know he can play quality defense maybe as part of a different team uh, uh or be a quality player for a team that doesn't have quite as lofty of aspirations as this cleveland team does so i certainly would listen on love i would try to just build this team with some defense around the lebron and some shooting and see how far that takes you but of course they're so limited in the fact that they think they're basically you know they want to maintain something in the tank to rebuild after lebron they believe is going to leave i don't know how much this affects the way other personnel people see kevin love but it certainly doesn't help his value if that's something that you want to do to have it out there that not only is the team dissatisfied and concerned with him but all the stuff with their defense granted you can make an argument that everybody knows what kevin love is and it's not a big deal but anything that potentially lowers the price of somebody that you're considering trading is also not necessarily great for you all right a few other quick hitters that we'll roll through because uh, we still have to get to this whole central division trade deadline preview and then of course the mock trade deadline that we are doing with kevin pelton and dan feldman will be coming shortly here later in the week so we got to make sure we get that trade deadline preview out of the way so interesting tony parker now and what seems to be a relatively permanent move will be coming off the bench in san antonio this is something that i thought needed to happen it looks like dejounte murray is going to be starting they maybe want to pass the torch to him to some degree uh but then also patty mills fits better in their starting lineup but anyway once Kawhi leonard is back to get more spot up shooting around him if they're going to play rudy gay a lot as well uh, they have plenty of creation they need someone who can hit spot up shots play a little bit better defense than parker is capable of even though i think parker has looked better than i thought he would coming back from that torn quad tendon but that's interesting you know that uh, parker his quote was i told pop no problem just like manu just like pow you know uh, that that day is going to come and so that it'll also be interesting perhaps parker a free agent at the end of this year to see you know where he comes back as a bench guy and maybe even there's a little bit of psychology here too that if he's a bench guy now it's kind of easier to resign him for less in some ways after this instead of him expecting you know to continue to be paid at the same rate that he was before uh what about this harry giles thing well so basically the announcement is that he's redshirting this year and it was phrased in this super weird way where they're like he's recovering well his acls are 100 healed he's improving in terms of agility and he's cleared for normal duty and he's not playing the rest of the year so i think broadly that's the right idea assuming that's what the experts say but it is you know I, i'm thinking what happened was this was the plan all along but they thought they would raise too much ire to use a first round pick on a guy and then redshirt him but if that's what it needed and they think he can actually get 200 percent, by all means yeah I and mean, this is yet another of these just crazy mealy mouth pr statements that is essentially three paragraphs to say what could have been said in two sentences 
sentences which is he's improved he could in theory be healthy enough to play but we think it's better for his long-term development and for injury prevention to continue to hold him out and get him ready for summer league uh but they're not as bad as the sixers at least uh jordan bell after that scary ankle injury he's out at least two weeks you'd have to imagine that'll stretch through the all-star break with a a bone bruise swelling in his ankle uh aaron aflalo suspended two games after that wild punch attempt uh, that fortunately did not connect at nemanja bielitsa and we've talked a lot already about the kemba walker news that came out last thursday that they are trying to move him we discussed that extensively uh in regard to yesterday's pod with the knicks as and what charlotte could be looking for but just in general the report from woges they want to get off one of their bad contracts plus get back a, a pretty good asset um and now uh we should talk about more from san antonio with this Kawhi leonard news which i would say that probably is the a lot less interesting to me than the love news for a couple different reasons i think one of the big ones is that the rubber's not going to meet the road anytime soon even if there is substance to this and we should note that so basically there was the reporting that was out today i think it was Woj and a few other espn voices talking about his his recovery and that he's been kind of distant from the team something that rc buford has refuted and where this will come to a head if if it is anything is Kawhi leonard already is eligible for a designated veteran extension that he can sign this summer he cannot sign it right now not until the league year turns over however he is eligible based on the two prior seasons so if he doesn't sign it if it isn't offered yeah that's a big deal if he signs it we don't think about this at all yeah just i think this has been a frustrating process for everyone there's if you want to get a little bit more into this story mike wright and ramona shelburne did a podcast right it and woge were the two wrote the story today you can listen to that although not a ton came out of that other than just oh there's some distance but you know Kawhi is kind of a, a distant guy and hard to deal with and you know presumably this is something that came from his agent side because the spurs don't leak shit like this uh, Kawhi's uncle then saying no there is no rift after all uh but i don't think that this is going to end up meaning anything and, and you know now if Kawhi misses the entire year and can't get healthy and it gets to the point where there's some mistrust about just like are the spurs doing a good enough job of getting him healthy then maybe this becomes a story by the summer if he gets back and is healthy by the end of the year and playing you know i think this goes away but it is it is interesting just because we thought that Kawhi was like kind of part of this spurs hive mind where you know they've got him brainwashed to kind of take less and and do all the same stuff that they got everyone else doing uh there and you know not to say that's a brainwash i mean i think that um people they intentionally acquire players who think that way and, and are willing to sacrifice for the team to some degree but nonetheless I, I don't make much of this until we find out that like there's more issues with Kawhi. and actually one thing mike wright saying too he suspected that Kawhi could even be back as soon as uh, the end of the all-star break and that this is kind of just a chance to straight up rehab for a couple of weeks and get a reset said and kind of just start that process of bringing him back instead of focusing on like trying to play in games so we'll see whether that actually turns out to be true or not um i think that's about all we got here is that it oh one other one chris dunn had a nasty fall when he he stayed on the rim and he was diagnosed with a concussion and did not play in their double overtime loss to the new orleans pelicans today a game when demarcus cousins became the first guy since i think it was kareem to have a, a i think it was 40 20 and 10 that was the part 
part that was unusual and that was a crazy game we're not doing it's it's a sad net that we're not gonna do a gamer because this was one of the crazier league night oh it league pass nights of the year day, yeah but we have yeah, we have the, other the fish- pels uh, i mean we should talk about this at least the, the pels trailed the bulls by 17 with 506 remaining in the game and actually came back to lead mm-hmm. then committed a foul on justin holiday shooting a three-point shot with 0.3 seconds remaining holiday makes the first two misses the third they go into ot bulls miss a free throw again at the end of ot and ad fouls out uh they go into double ot and finally uh you know, demarcus uh, carries them home um jerry and grant man wow did he have some bad turnovers uh in allowing the pelicans to come back and then in the overtime with, with done out but uh yeah i mean that's if you want to re-watch a game that's uh, the last five minutes of that game are pretty interesting that 23 to 6 run uh by the pels um and then one other thing too uh, on the bucks which we probably should have said was that Giannis is actually out two games he's missed those two games already uh at least two we don't know whether he's gonna be back or not to manage that soreness in his right knee and i think some of the reports that kid was a little bit at odds at the front office and not really in lockstep with what they're trying to do clearly i think the amount of minutes that he's playing the amount of minutes that middleton was playing something that was a part of that and maybe that was finally the impetus for moving on from kid because once you start really like messing with the long-term assets it's like okay we can't just let this play out for the rest of the year and and Giannis has continued to have this knee soreness and playing him over 40 minutes you know there's no way that management was on board with him having this knee soreness playing over 40 minutes a night I mean there's just no way that that they were cool with that and so I think that's and kid I'm sure felt like hey my job's really under pressure I gotta win I gotta play this guy you know whatever it was but um you know that obviously did not work out uh are right, you gonna do a little uh central division here now we've had plenty of central division drama so let's uh set up their trade deadline well i'll give you the choice of, of where we start with this because there are now a ton of options let's talk calves uh why don't we give their fundamentals first i to be honest we did the prep for this a little bit ago we haven't really gotten that much into some potential love destinations, so we'll have to kind of think of that on the fly but l- let's set up just where they are first cleveland is 14 14- point eight million over the luxury tax line and they are a repeater so this would be a big luxury tax bill for them and they do have a couple small trade exceptions we do not expect them to use those they do not have an open roster spot and for also looking into the future and i actually wrote a piece about this for real gm i alluded to this idea even if lebron and isaiah leave over the summer they are still basically at the cap for next year so it isn't like if those guys come out and this is always the difference between expiring contracts and cap space because they have the commitments to love and Tristan and JR and Amon Shepard. They're not going to have cap space either way. And that you could see that as a detriment. You could see that as, you know, something you can work through, whatever, but that does set the table for where they are. Yeah. And obviously we talked about it earlier, this idea that LeBron is not going to commit certainly looms over what they're trying to do as well. But their two biggest assets, obviously, are love and that Brooklyn pick in terms of the rest of their future. They can trade their own first round pick this year as well which actually given the pace that they're on is not valueless i mean they, they could end up being you know like the number like 19 pick in the draft or something if they keep on like this uh they owe a top 10 pick to atlanta from the kyle corver trade uh or, i'm sorry top 10 protected in 2019 and 2020 but they can just trade their next pick two years after that pick and then they've got jetty osmond and ante zizic i don't think those guys are really worth much more than throw-ins and then as an expiring contract they've got channing fry making about seven million this season not really in the rotation a guy who might actually be able to help a a young team as well or even you know a a fringy playoff team as a backup center let's start with love i mean if they wanted to move him anything come to mind as 
far as what might might make sense i mean clearly the team's needs are i think someone to protect the rim and also someone who can play some defense on the perimeter and, and shoot the ball you know those those are the two that they've always needed it's also a challenge because love has so those are those are needs that are fillable but the right players are going to be tough to get and when you're trading kevin love get it their goal is presumably going to be at least in part considering lebron james is still on their team if they traded him would be to get players that can help them right now so that narrows your field a lot because you're not trading him for future assets that means you're you're and also that's a fundamental reshuffling of whatever team you're sending him to whatever your trade partner is it's it's a massive change for them it also hurts that a couple of teams that we have thought about as kevin love destinations in prior years are now off the table like denver paul Millsap. they they have no interest in it i don't think boston would have really any interest in kevin love when you look at where their defensive system is right now while they have acquired one member of cleveland's title team i don't think they're going to get a second in him and i mean there's been some speculation about the Cavs being interested in deandre jordan i don't think that the clippers would have any particular interest in love either beyond the fact that he's just a good player well and he's also under contract for another year but yeah the the fit between he and griffin defensively is a tough one uh the issue with love he's got a player option for 1920 so he's locked in for the rest of this year and then one more year after that making a little over 20 million on average you know they had talked about Derek favors maybe being someone who is on the block i don't know how much favors helps them defensively and he's kind of he's pretty similar to tristan thompson defensively maybe not quite as good as a switch man maybe a little better rim protector but not a great one much better offensive player and finisher around the rim than tristan is but i think the jazz you would have to imagine would have some interest and it's just a question of what would go back you know joe ingles might be someone who could help cleveland although he's got a lot of long-term salary attached to him um the jazz could potentially maybe offer some salary relief as well um they've got some first round picks available of course uh all of their own first rounders but trading kevin love for future first rounders doesn't really help so do you think there's a deal to be made with utah as far as favors and maybe another couple of their wings just to, to help now i don't know if rubio really would interest the Cavs at all probably not he's pretty useless next to james offensively it's hard i mean rodney hood would be would be an interesting fit yeah. there i mean a player that can shoot next to lebron james is always valuable i i think there's there's something there the team that i first thought of partially because they have a different power forward on a different contract is indiana i mean you could use thaddeus young as a piece of that it would probably compromise part of indiana's cap space this year but they could go in a million different directions with it we talked yeah but i mean i'm not sure i mean who is can indiana send back that's not part of their core they wouldn't do miles turner for love i, I don't think uh thaddeus young would would be a part of it and so that's kind of the yeah. the replacement there they could do salary relief in a, in a couple of different ways there isn't really that star piece i mean i don't think sabonis really right. tickles the fancy I mean, or even the elite role player piece i mean i think they really what they'd want to get back is a, a rim protector and then someone who can defend and hit shots uh, on the wing i think that's the only way you can make the argument that they're better moving on from love this year you know unless it's just a purely future asset play i mean if they did if they want to just decide hey you know what lebron's gone anyway it's better to just move love now and get some more future assets it, you know maybe maybe that's the way to do it maybe there's a three-way trade that could be in involved as well where a team would give up a first but that it could go to a third team and then that that team could give someone up who, who could help cleveland um but so let's 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 yeah. let's talk about this in, in a more basic way because as we're kind of yeah. doing this on the fly i i am of the belief that a team that's way out of the playoff picture probably just doesn't have as much interest right now and because they probably don't have the assets to do right. it so let's say let's look at the top 10 teams in each conference i'm not saying we walk through all of these but of those top 10 teams in each conference
conference, who really has a need for Kevin Love right now? Yeah, a need, I'm not sure, but I think he could definitely, you know, what about like Washington? But it's it's hard to see them, of course, trading with a team where they could, could be a rival, although they just did that, of course, with Kyrie and Boston. Um, you know, the Raptors have a lot of young, energetic guys. Maybe they would have some interest. They could play Ibaka and Love together in the front court. Um, Love, I think, could be a very nice fit in Philly, but I don't think, you know, I, I would rather have Robert Covington than Love right now, especially since he's on a, a nice extension if, if you're Philly. What about him returning home and going to the Blazers? Yeah, but I don't see the Blazers don't have anything that's going to interest Cleveland, I don't think. I mean, I, I don't think CJ, I don't think that's the trade you make if you were going to trade CJ. I think you you would get somebody who's a, a part of the next great Blazers team as opposed to that. But yeah, well, so but the point I, I was, I the point I was getting at in terms of it is just that there aren't many teams with a need. Like that's even beyond the, yeah. the correct pieces. Miami, Miami would be one that I think he could fit pretty well in. Uh, and they have a lot of athletic. Oh God, I love white side front court yeah but yeah, I mean, maybe they would want to maybe they would want Whiteside to go back to oh my god in that trade but yeah i mean you're right I, I, the more we go through this i don't think there's anything that really sticks out nearly as much now perhaps as it might have a year ago or even over the summers because so many of their teams have filled a need and then you know the problem with moving a guy at the trade deadline versus in the summer is you know all these bad teams already know that they're going to be bad so that last one of the two remaining years on his contract before he can opt out is kind of useless to all these bad teams so you're really limiting the universe of guys that you can trade him for. And now you're just trading away a guy with one more year on his contract. And, and how much is that really worth it to people? So, yeah, I I, th- I mean, I think the more I think about it, if Love does get moved, they might get some players back. Maybe they get some salary relief. But I, it, I think it would probably be more of a few. They might just get a first round pick and then just try to spin it as, oh, you know, we're at least getting guys back as well. But it's sort of beginning the tear down a little bit early. Uh, but being able to save face on that at the the same time i think if love were moved that would be it what about the brooklyn pick though um and again i don't think love will get moved i think there's probably a greater chance love gets moved in the brooklyn pick because that's their crown jewel if lebron leave the way if i were kobe altman or he asked for my advice i would be thinking about that is it is a very nice piece depending on how the nets do the rest of this year but i would be looking more at a guy who can who is under team control beyond this season because a one and done for them, especially when you consider the fact that if LeBron leaves, it's unreasonable to expect. Basically, no matter how good a guy you got, if LeBron leaves, you wouldn't expect that guy to stay. So... I don't think it's worth it in that circumstance. I don't know who the right player is in that group because, you know, I don't think DeMarcus Cousins and Paul George are on the block. And then players with more years, generally those guys are good values. There aren't too many great players that have bad contracts in the league. That's just not really the way it's working right now. So I don't see a real path forward unless another team just surprises with who's on the, who's available. So to me, it's just one of those things where nobody's, they'll have, it'll be available, but it'll be a super high asking price and i can't imagine anybody meeting it especially with the uncertainty with that pick because the nets are not going to be tanking and a lot of the other teams might start sometime after the ulster break yeah and there's a thought maybe that like paul george or demarcus could be available but i think new orleans is soldiering along just well enough that they're not going to move on from demarcus and they're going to just try and resign him and try to just keep doing the same thing that they've been doing i think and then at least with the brooklyn pick you're opening up the universe of bad teams as well but bad teams are bad in part because they don't necessarily have the type of guys that we're talking about so both the combination of that brooklyn pick not necessarily getting you a game changer and of course you know the elephant in the room still is the warriors as well right like if they're just hey we want to get better just to try and beat houston or just to make sure we make it out of the east or something that's so much lower
lower of a bar then we want to get something that we think puts us on equal footing with the warriors i'm not sure that even if they could get like demarcus cousins that that even gets them there so uh in fact i, I would suspect that it would not so let's see here of just maybe lower level is there anything that they could do you know they still have their own first round pick that they could trade um they're gonna probably try and move on from some salary as well shumpert i'm sure is very available he's got a player option for over 10 million next year fry we already mentioned um so maybe they could just try to move their first to both get off a salary and get someone who could help them it's a possibility with them using that money you basically i think you'd be using shumpert more as salary filler rather than dumping him just because we don't know exactly where their cap is going to be we talked about this idea i like if sacramento is amenable something like shumpert and fry and maybe some of their one of their lower end assets for george hill would give sacramento a little bit more financial flexibility george hill isn't really a part of where they're going so they they kind of get out of that and cleveland gets somebody who could actually play in the conference finals somebody who could theoretically play who could be a part of an nba final series and i think that's a win-win honestly for me with both of those teams yeah and you're talking about giving up their own first round pick this year yeah, or chetty or something something in that range you know it's obviously not nearly good enough for the brooklyn pick but i think it would warrant something else yeah i mean the brooklyn pick maybe marcus soul is another person who could be available with something like that uh, connect, connecting all the guys who were good in 2011 and have fallen off since then yeah well gasol is good pretty recently but i again another guy who stylistically i don't know if he works against golden state i mean mike conley could be someone that they might consider if they really don't think that isaiah is the answer conley but you know he has his own health problems and and still no word uh, on what his timetable is yet well and his contract deandre jordan yeah well and then the brooklyn pick would probably be enough to get deandre jordan but uh you know again another guy who i don't think makes that huge of a difference for them uh, on either end Uh, you know i think he's a guy who could make a big difference for them in the east playoffs just to give him some rim protection but yeah just not a guy who matches up that well against golden state either i do think two guys that i might talk about a little bit the only problem with kcp of rich paul klein of course is that they don't really have matching salary that also expires to send back to the lakers and the lakers will not be taking on any salary past this season and then nerland noel is someone who i think they could take a flyer on and maybe just try to get him into the system and, and rehabilitate him he would have to uh, agree to a trade and lose his bird rights in dallas but things have gone so poorly there you imagine that he'd be willing to do that another rich paul client as well so you'd and he could get onto the big stage and at least be a free agent and hopefully get some money even if he didn't return to cleveland you know that's one that i think i would be heavily pursuing if i were them it's just a question for dallas of what the price would be there but certainly i mean cleveland's second rounders are not that great a first is too much to give up for noel at this point especially when you don't get bird rights back for him but you know maybe osman zizic could be on the move for someone like noel another possibility but it's a specific challenge with those two guys would be if they left some serious money on the table with their current teams and just went to the Cavs after a buyout because yeah. neither one of them I mean, maybe Noel theoretically if he was put on waivers would get picked up by somebody I'm not entirely sure KCP would not because of how much how nobody has the space for him so that wouldn't be really be a problem right. unless Chicago just wanted to screw everybody and did it which would actually be pretty hilarious so I don't think even they have it at this point he's 17 million well yeah but if they moved if they moved from Mirtich at the deadline they could probably make it happen but but that's my my kind of yeah. my idea with Cleveland is some of these non-traditional ways of adding talent they would be a buyout team for a lot of people especially now that it looks like they might have more playing time available or if they like made a kevin love trade maybe you do that and don't really get a center in return if you can get a guard that you like and then just sign whoever you like best on that market 
there will be centers bought out Uh, another one that we brought up when we talked about dallas was maybe Wes matthews uh, for jr smith uh, and some more assets going back uh, to dallas uh, as well but depends whether dallas is interested i mean i guess smith expires basically at the same time as Wes matthews does so that's one where you wouldn't be taking on any extra salary if you're dallas other than the slight possibility that matthews opts out and matthews much better defender than smith and you know probably as good of a shooter at this point uh definitely a much better switch defender than smith is so he could certainly be an upgrade and maybe you know smith and their own first round pick for matthews uh maybe try to get off of a little bit more money as well for this year because dallas still has cap space as well so maybe you also lower your luxury tax payment for this year by including fry and taking back less salary than him Uh, maybe that's something that could be done i I think that's that of all the trades that we have floated i think that's probably the one that would help them the most i like that deal i mean if they can walk out of this if you think about there might be a way i'm just trying to work together if they could get george hill and west matthews they would be in a really nice spot just adding more guys that can actually play oh you're thinking about getting both Mm -hmm. of those guys yeah i'm not sure i'm not sure about that i think it's probably kind of one or the other um but and they would they would have to get off of a lot of salary to do that tristan thompson it seems like he's very available as well even though i still think he's they've got to get him back playing well and he's their only hope defensively in the middle unless uh someone else comes up and maybe noel could be part of that trade as well with dallas but that's the best i've got but they they are going to do something i think it seems pretty clear that some Something will occur for these guys um because just the noises coming out of there seem like things are kind of unstable i mean isaiah could easily be traded too it seems like he their recent tailspin they weren't doing great before he came back but now since he's been back and he's been playing the same way but is not the same player at least so far uh i think that he could easily be on the move too they don't really seem to value him as much you know uh maybe even jay crotter is a guy that they might try and trade if there's another team that values him there's so much that's on the table for the team and they have so many interesting options i we'll probably be embarrassed by what the trade ends up being that we just had no idea what it was so before we move on to the rest of this division with the trade deadline coming up you're going to want to see all these new players in new destinations best way to do that is via Seeky. i actually am one of the few people who has seen joe prunty coach a game in person this year because kid didn't coach that game he had a personal absence that i went to in milwaukee for bucks wizards usually i don't buy tickets obviously because i have a media credential but my fiance and i went i wanted to get her really good tickets and we did we got fourth row tickets for like a hundred bucks and they're so easy to find on SeatGeek too because they aggregate ticket sellers together number one that saves you time and then also they rank every ticket based on value so i just looked at the close sections there's a big green dot indicating that these tickets were available i trust SeatGeek's algorithms quite a bit to give you the best tickets for your money so i just clicked on that one couple of swipes and i'm out it used to be a 20 minute process to try and buy tickets now it's like a two three minute process that's why SeatGeek is so good if you haven't tried it yet you can get 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase which could be a sizable amount of whatever you're buying tickets to it doesn't have to be sports could be concert could be any kind of performance that's promo code capspace gets you 20 dollars off your first geeky purchase easy remember capspace we talk about it all the time on the program once again that's promo code capspace for 20 dollars off your first geek purchase all right i'll leave it to you to go next here actually before we do that we should say player most likely to be traded i'm gonna go with channing fry just because he's an expiring contract yes. so he can be the filler in a lot of things thank you yeah i always keep forgetting that part of it um yeah all right so where do you want to go next now let's go to the chicago bulls the bulls 
Bills are in an unusual place. I believe they're the only team in the league right now that is like this, where they can function as either an over-the-cap team with exceptions, they still have a big trade exception for Jimmy Butler, or they can have about $16 million in cap space. They do have an open roster spot, and they also have about $38 million in space next year if they leave Miritich and they keep the holds for Zach Levine, who's going to get paid, but you still keep the cap hold in until that happens, Paul Zipser, and David Nwaba. Yeah, and obviously Miritich ha- has been the focus of the news that's been overshadowed recently. What is Nikola Miritich worth? Is he worth the first rounder that they're seeking? I don't think so. His contract next year is a reasonable value. I think it's, and, and the, the optionality, assuming they don't have to opt him in in order to make the trade because he can actually veto it if they don't do that. That makes, you know, it's it's not a bad deal and you get full bird rights, which is nice. But I don't think it's, I'm not sitting there going, oh, that's a screaming deal or, oh, he's such a rare commodity skill set that we have to have Nikola Miritich. So I think of him as a, actually a little bit less than that. But for the right team, he can certainly provide value because fours that can space the floor and play, you know, 25, 30 minutes a game are still valuable. Yeah, and he's not terrible defensively. Not great, but not terrible. Not a guy who really has the versatility to play center. Doesn't really have the versatility to play the three if you want him to switch. Probably not something he can do except in a pinch. But the spacing that he provides is valuable, and he's also capable of doing more off the dribble, posting up, getting to the foul line to some degree. And he's, I believe, leading the NBA in three-point shooting coming into the ninth game against the Pelicans. So I think he's a valuable player. I'm not sure if he on his own is worth a first rounder if you also get off of some bad salary in the course of trading for him which the bulls do not necessarily seem like they want to take back right now i think given where how well some of their young guys have played this year and the fact that they're one of the few teams that has cap space this offseason if they move on from miritich for an expiring contract they would be looking at 40 million or so in space including the cap hold of zach levine with marking and some of the other young guys maybe they actually and the limited market for most free agents maybe it would be possible for them you know especially if they get a real high draft pick and that's actually part of the reason i think they want to move miritich as well as to uh, get that tank rolling again because the whole plan here is to get a high trick maybe if they get a high pick they have all this young talent they got 40 million in space they could look at getting back into the playoff mix with some free agent signings as soon as next year if they hold on to that 40 million in space if they got to take on some bad salary not sure if they necessarily want to do that that kind of pushes back the rebuild it limits their options to some degree there are so few teams also that are going to have space that they could actually have some options and i depending on the availability then 2019-20 could also be a big year for them that's when robin lopez expires they do not really yeah. have he's another guy they could move right now actually although i'm not sure again who wants it conceptually sure they could talk about it and and, and so they have those guys and they're not really being offset because zach Levine is going to get paid but it's not going to take you know it's not going to take everything away because they have lopez going there so they can do it either way i would say they're going to need to get bowled over because that optionality over the offseason has some real value for them and so yeah i mean if somebody wants to make a, a, a crazy strong offer they can do it but it's not it's there's no ticking clock on their space there is a little bit of a ticking clock on the jimmy butler trade exception should they see it that way because they if they want to have cap space they can't really use that in the span before the offseason starts because it actually expires and they would renounce it anyway to get space but again with cap they can do whatever they want and they need to make a decision on it because they have all this money i mean they have 15 let's let's call it 16 million in space even if all they're taking on is expiring money there's some real value to that yeah certainly just taking on a channing fry to reduce the luxury packs taking on a noah von lay to reduce the tax in portland taking on someone from golden state even just a small piece like javel mcgee or someone to save golden state some money
money and certainly any of these tax team the clippers might want to move some salary um now whether that's expiring salary or not hard to say but you know they could pick up second rounders they could they've already taken on as we know 3.5 million in cash so they can only take it another 1.6 million because of the jordan bell deal uh, to, to pay salaries but they're below the salary floor right now meaning that they have to take back some more salary anyway and they and even then the formula has changed now so if you take on guys halfway through the year the salary floor is determined by how much you actually pay out in real money as opposed to how much you just your what your cap total looks like at the end of the year but nonetheless i, I think that they those are the two things that i would look at anything else that you think you know might be movable for them i mean we talked about lopez do you think he has value i think he has more value in terms of taking on a worse contract or a different contract right. something like that one small correction the the now infamous 3.5 million in cash considerations was actually last league year so they but ah, but you. they yes. took on 2.5 million in the quincy pondexter trade so they have about the same amount of money anyway <laughs> yeah 2.6 million that is the most they can right yeah, i should remember that that was last year uh, but in terms of other stuff i i mean i don't think many of their their young players are both superfluous and have values like there are superfluous guys like campaign who they picked up his team option oops but chris dunn and so he doesn't have value chris dunn does have value but they want to keep him i, I would fully assume so i don't think there's anybody who really touches both bases at, at the same time maybe like denzel valentine or actually justin holiday at his price if they just said we're gonna get somebody different you know he's a useful player but he only a wing who, who makes a little over four million has a declining salary you know if somebody gives you a nice offer Offer, they want a wing by all means yeah i think holiday could help some teams as a three and d guy off the bench he's been a little bit stretched having to create more than necessary on a good team here with chicago back to lopez yeah i mean it's really i don't think there's a team that needs him and also isn't going to send back bad salary uh they would want to send back salary that lasts probably longer than lopez and again i don't think the bulls really are, are that interested in doing that i think they want to stay pretty lean and think that especially with this summer their free agent dollar could go pretty far and I, and I happen to agree with them in some respects reports also that jerry and grant might be on the market because you know they really got to get a look at, at campaign but grant not a guy that i really think is most teams can even look at as a solution at backup point guard I mean, maybe there's some teams like a charlotte or something where he'd be better than what they're getting from another former bulls point guard mary Goran reject michael carter williams but i don't think that grant has value even you know in terms of like a second round pick type of value maybe a late second uh but at that point and grant's pretty old right i think he's already 25 really struggling to shoot the ball from downtown had some horrible turnovers today I, even though he did have 20 points 13 assists uh you know he'll have these games every once in a while where he looks pretty good but then he'll have these games where he just like can't even get the ball across half court and uh, it was kind of both those today against the pels so maybe there's a team that'll see potential in him but i don't really see the point of moving him except as kind of a throw-in i would be more amenable to moving bobby portis i mean it seems like the miritich portis yeah. part of it isn't there but yeah. i just think and, it's and a Part of, Hortis, part of uh part of Miritich is that he you know kind of wants to be traded because of, of the uh the Portis incident so maybe he would be more amenable to staying I think if Miritich doesn't get traded he might start uh, having a much worse attitude than he's had so far I think he's probably been told hey Grin and Barrett we're really trying to move you here uh we'll get you out of here just play the good soldier for the next couple of months if they don't trade him at the deadline he might start squawking again I think that's certainly possible uh most likely player to get traded Miritich yeah oh one other quick thing I want to mention they have all their own first round pick 
picks. They do not have their seconds in 18 and 19, but they have New Orleans' 2018 seconds. So I think they're going to be more on the receiving side, but in terms of facilitation, that is a little bit of a limitation because their own firsts are presumably off the table. Yeah, because those, those are, would be considered too good, even if you... Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe there could be something where they get a first from somebody and send out a future second. But yeah, you're right. That is a limitation. Uh, of course, it's that campaign, Taj Gibson, Doug McDermott trade, uh, where it's just amazing the amount that they had to throw in a second rounder as well to do that deal. Uh, clearly not an organization that values second round picks very much when you consider Jordan Bell, the fact that they like kicked a bunch from away just to dump Anthony Randolph in the summer of 2014. Uh, in any event, uh, let's move on now. Where do you want to go next? I think the, the rest of these teams should be a little bit easier here. The Indiana Pacers have cap space. They have about $6 million and they have one open roster spot after they moved on from Damian Wilkins, which I supported because it was before the before the month. They have that flexibility. They could either use that to add somebody who can actually help their team, or they can use that to take on an undesirable from somebody else or both, maybe in the same deal. And they have one open roster spot. I mentioned that. And, the, and their books are a, just such a question mark for next season, because not only do they have player options, Thaddeus Young, Corey Joseph, both of which are judgment calls at this point, they have partial guarantees for Darren Collison, Bojan Bogdanovich, and Al Jefferson. Al Jefferson's is relatively clear. The other two are more complicated and a team option for Lance Stevenson. So they could go in so many different directions. And I actually think that hamstrings them a little bit at this deadline because I don't think they know where they want to go yet. Yeah. And this is a team that they've regressed a little bit lately with the three-point shooting, but look on track to make the playoffs in the East. There are so few teams that, that have space. Bogdanovich is interesting in particular because his guarantee day is actually before, and he's making 10.5 million next year, but only 1.5 million is guaranteed. But that guarantee date is before July 1st. And so they'd have to make a decision on him. And then Collison, he's making 10 million. They'd have to make a decision on him. Uh, he's got 2 million guaranteed on July 1st. And then Jefferson, they can decide on him anyway. And they very likely will just waive him because uh, he, he's not contributing at a $10 million per year level by any means anymore. But he's got 4 million guaranteed. So if they move on from all of those guys and they decline Lance's option, they could have over $50 million in cap space. They would need a point guard and they might want to hold on to Collison. But even if they do that, you still got over $40 million in cap space to basically, uh, and that also assumes that Thad Young is going to opt out. So he opts in. Now you're basically $30 million in cap space, but you've got $30 million in cap space to add to basically like a whole starting unit already. So it's a pretty nice position to be in for them. Be interesting to see whether Young opts in or out uh, with of the $13 million that he is due next year given this market it's hard to see a team going above the mid-level for him so maybe he does opt in nonetheless i don't predict that they're going to be particularly active if they were you would have to say that someone who can defend it and hit a shot on the wing would be number one they really just don't have anyone on this roster who can guard threes other than maybe glenn robinson the third if he comes back but even he is not proven in that role and he's still injured that would also be a target because there aren't really guys that do that in free agency so if you can get somebody using whatever assets you can it'd it'd be useful and they could also one way to to handle this would be to take a couple bites at the apple and just get lower lower end guys that might become that player instead of one one player because then you're relying on them saying yes and all these other options but those guys generally aren't available at the deadline that's more like when the Grizzlies sign James Ennis rather than trading for James Ennis yeah like I I would target sort of a you know a Travion Graham type maybe at the deadline someone who is showing a little bit of potential in a three and D role that maybe you can scoop up trade a second although their seconds are impacted because they traded this pick to Brooklyn that 
that's a second rounder that only goes if it's in the top 15 of the second round or the top 14 of the second round excuse me and so they're probably gonna make the playoffs this year so that's not gonna go again and that goes all the way through 2022 so you can always trade the back half of that second rounder but maybe people wouldn't be that interested in in that once you know that it's not gonna be in the top half of the round um but you know it could could have some value to be sure but i really i don't foresee a particularly active deadline though i don't either and the fact that they have all their own firsts and they could they they're in a spot where maybe they think they can get somebody who's a contributor and and they can kind of go regardless of position maybe not a shooting guard but other than that you can go wherever you want to and get somebody who you think can eventually play that i'm sure they're hopeful that tj leaf can eventually be a part of the rotation so you have all those things running together and it's i think it's an exciting time to be a pacers fan but this might not be an exciting deadline to be a pacers fan yeah they could also maybe use a combo forward so leaf doesn't have to play this year but they've got some money in the buyout market too uh and they've also got this cat space that's just sitting here i think if i had to decide what would be the most likely type of trade that they would make i'd say it probably would just be you know a pure salary dump type of trade for a a tax team or a team that's trying to maneuver a little bit uh, under the hard cap than actually taking on some more talent and again another team that i don't see wanting to take on salary past this uh this season yeah it's paralleling to me the idea that you would take on that salary if it's a player that you think can be a part of your long term so i i still think a kevin love trade would be a theoretical option there because they could see that as as working but it would need to be something like that it wouldn't be a taking on jason smith's five million for next year to get a pick i i just don't see that because they don't know maybe that five million could make a difference between getting a high-end player or not yeah. Now they could always just stretch him too if you're really sure. I mean, th- this is not a huge free agent destination. So maybe taking on the five million for next year, maybe a, a Kyle Singler would be someone that you could see them. I don't want to say going after, but uh, going after in exchange for an asset as well. And you can always say, hey, you know what? If by some miracle we get these unbelievable options with our cap space next year that are really going to transform their team, all right, we'll just stretch that guy. It's fine. Um, so yeah, I, I, maybe they could take on a little bit for next year. I wouldn't be as wary of it as I think they might end up being. Um, There's also, and I don't see them... I could see them trading Bogdanovich or Collison with their non-guarantees, you know, around draft time before their guarantee dates, but certainly not this year because they need those guys. No arguments there. Uh, most likely player to be traded. Oh, gosh. Um, do you, do you want me to go first? Really nobody. Joe Young, yeah, because I think he's most likely to be filler yeah. if they need to clear an extra roster spot. Yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah, he just, uh, they, they just signed Alex Poitras as well uh, to an NBA contract, but he, I think he was signed so recently that he won't be able to be traded. Correct. So that would, uh, yeah, I think you're right. Joe, Joe young would probably be the guy and he's really the only guy that is like superfluous on this roster right now let's do detroit the pistons are hard capped they have 3.5 million in wiggle room below the tax line without any significant exceptions they did have a free roster spot but they used it on dwight bikes who had been their two-way guy they converted him and so that makes this a little bit harder for them but the big structural thing to be considering when you about the pistons is they have a lot of money on their books for next year and I have it that they would be about $14 million under the tax next year before adding any free agents, and that includes Avery Bradley, and Avery Bradley is going to get more than $14 million next summer. Yeah, that seems pretty likely. The one thing that is a variable about the Pistons is that they've really been struggling with Reggie Jackson. They lost at home to Brooklyn the other day on a great last-second shot by Spencer Dinwiddie, where he somehow avoided Andre Drummond's block attempt and scored. Right now, the Pistons, only 52% playoff odds. 
they are projected to be out of the playoffs right now by 538 22 and 23 so standings wise they are also in ninth place and you don't necessarily see that turning around you don't necessarily see any of the teams above them in free fall so maybe it's possible that just in the next two weeks before the february 8th deadline they could end up being five games under 500 by that point and they just say hey you know what like we probably should just try and trade someone like avery bradley and and stanley johnson also someone who's been rumored to be on the block maybe they just finally decide all right it's just not going to work with this group now that's also complicated by president van stan gundy there's so many permutations for that and his job says maybe not as coach but at least as team president if does he really want to look like giving up or does he want to just you know stick with the 20 percent chance of making the playoffs which is what it, i don't think it's that now but that's what it could be by the deadline uh just so that he could maybe save his job if they get the eighth seed difficult to say here but a, a team that i think could go either direction right now i mean they could also give up future assets to try to improve for this year i think they have some obvious holes or you could see them go the route of dumping salary john luer is certainly someone who looks like he is on the block he's out for the year now they're applied for a disabled player exception for uh, his ankle surgery they've been talked about in the miritich derby too when you have a coach gm that might be in a tenuous position my assumption is always that they will be a buyer rather than a seller you are right especially because they have some tough games they play okc cleveland i I will say this uh i will say this at least orlando at least did the right thing last year with rob hennigan um so i think our streak recently is that guys have started to be a little bit more realistic about that kind of stuff but i still agree with you i think it's a good chance that he's gonna try to bolster the squad and they have some you know depending on how they're feeling about stanley johnson depending on how the league's feeling about stanley johnson luke Kennard, i've liked some flashes that he's shown this year so those guys can be sweeteners they have their own first round picks that can be there as well and the other just challenge is well okay you have that stuff where are you going with deed because they need a point guard right now but you it's a hard place to be unless because like you can you can't get a replacement for reggie jackson right now you would be and you already have ish smith under contract for multiple seasons so that's a tough spot they have tobias harris at one of the forward positions his contract expires after next season so 2019 bradley is a pending free agent but he's i don't think you're going to upgrade on him it would be more just getting somebody with a different contract or something like that so you're saying they're going okay well so it's probably going to be a forward that can hit shots and defend congratulations you're looking for the same thing as everybody else in the entire league yeah they could also just use a a lou williams type of guy though to bolster the offense or a tyreek evans type of guy i think some additional playmaking it doesn't necessarily have to be a point guard but just someone who can attack off the dribble in a pick and roll i think teams have caught up a little bit to all the stuff that they've been doing off the elbows and tobias harris was on fire from three-point range he's cooled off significantly of late uh you know they still have andre drummond as well but he's played better this year i think that they'll probably are more interested in holding on to him right now but this just seems like a team that no matter what they do with this group is just going to be destined to yo-yo between you know 38 and 44 and 44 and 38 every year depending on whether their guys have like kind of a good year or kind of a bad year or whether their health is kind of good or kind of bad and this is yet another data point in that direction a question i wanted to ask you just because this is a thought exercise we deal with is what of their veteran players so not rookie scale anything like that and we'll exclude reggie bullock from this because he only makes two and a half million would you say is a value contract would you say is a net asset on their deal well bradley still sure. uh but you know he doesn't go on for very long tobias harris uh yeah tobias harris certainly uh, i would say that's the case uh drummond eh, you know not terrible but not great and then really just about everyone else it looks real bad and you know those are all signings that we're pretty critical of uh, at the time that they were made whether it, uh bob 
Subban, we actually liked okay, but he's you know a, a limited player. Langston Galloway, seven million. For, he's not even been in the rotation at times this season. Smith, actually, I would say Smith is you know that's one that we didn't like that much, but I think he's been solid as a backup point guard for six million a year. That's not awful, but yeah, not not a ton out there. I'll say that. And that's what makes why I was getting at that is that's what makes a, a, a bigger deal harder is because they don't have much filler because they don't have you know they don't have the Channing fries of the world now that and like the guys they have Tolliver and Bullock that are, I think are unreasonable contracts they make less than four million dollars so you can't really do a whole lot with that yeah no I mean it seems like the most likely kind of trade in mean, either number one that they just move on from Bradley uh because it's just a lost year uh, and maybe Stanley Johnson as well just to kind of give a reset there you know maybe there's a team that would give up first rounder for Bradley and probably for Bradley yes I think he's there are a lot of teams that really respect him although he also has had this nagging groin injury that he saw a specialist for though he's continued to play through it um and then johnson so maybe you would take both of those guys to get a decent first rounder back um or the other type is trading a john lure and maybe someone else with a first to both get off a salary and get back someone who can play you know a damari carroll or miritich someone like that uh, to have that be the construct and, and lure he's getting to the point now if you want to view him as like pretty much dead salary which coming off this ankle surgery you probably have to uh after having missed an entire year and not being worth his contract to begin with he's due 20 million after this year so you're starting to get now to 20 million in dead money maybe a first is enough to, to get off of him and then if you could also get a player back as well maybe that's something or maybe it's uh, a first and stanley johnson to get off of john lure and you get back someone who can play maybe that's the type of construct we're talking about i could see something like that sure uh most likely to be traded i'm gonna go with stanley johnson it just it feels like he has more value to other teams than he does to the pistons <sighs> i'll say lure just because he's been like really discussed that way and they have some big tax concerns for next year that maybe could be alleviated some if they could move on from him but i mean i think between lure avery bradley stanley johnson bradley of course if you know they continue for you i mean they're two and eight in their last 10 and have lost five in a row right um i mean they were what 20 and 13 at one time so not good and, and it's obviously reggie jackson won't be coming back anytime soon either so i'm not sure there's much reason to believe that they can right the ship and perhaps you know van gundy will see that last team the team we started this podcast with the milwaukee bucks the bucks are after the big avery or sorry eric bledsoe greg monroe trade they're about 4.3 million under the tax they have most of their mid-level exception remaining they also have a trade exception from roy hibbert and the biannual exception which i believe they should save for next year so they actually could get better here if they if they wanted to they do not have a free roster spot after signing sean kilpatrick for the rest of the season and not counting jabari i'm using the same exercise i did with with avery bradley they're about 14 yeah. million below the tax line next year including their draft pick so they might be looking to get out of long-term money i'm sure they have a lot of long-term money they'd like to get out from but they might want to just wait and see where it goes on that part of this perhaps so and i think now with the, the fact that they've moved on from kid jabari is already coming back do you really want to throw in another variable as well with, with making a trade but they do have a, a pretty clear weakness at center this is a, another candidate for one of these teams where you give up bad salary but you also get back someone who can play and there certainly are no shortage of centers who can play on you know eight figure type of, of contracts who would be better than their current centers 
numbers but you know maybe not uh, amazing and they would probably have to give up assets likely a, a future first rounder but of course they have this issue now with the Bledsoe protections where it could it's probably going to go all the way through until 2020 when it goes down to protected one through seven before that goes so likely I mean I guess what they could do Danny is say hey you know we'll just trade you the rest of our 2018 first round pick you know which would be 17 through 30 and actually they can't and then if that that violates the stepion rule because you can't be without a pick two years in a row that would violate it what would be the second year 2018 if the pick or 2019 if the pick conveys to phoenix then that would violate the stepion rule ah yes that's an excellent point yeah because it would still yeah you, that's, uh, i have spent a ludicrously long time thinking about the stepion rule over the last five years um yeah yeah they're in- no you're right I, I i forgot about that yeah because the pick would then the phoenix obligation would roll over i mean maybe you could offer some sort of a pick swap or something like that but yeah, there are really ways around would it not be yeah but it, it's still it, it makes it very difficult we'll put it that way that's so and then they don't really have i mean the other guy who had a great game tonight malcolm brogdon he, he played great defense on devin booker and also i think had like you know 30 points uh, as they barely beat the suns uh, without Giannis. but he's really the only other guy i see as a sweetener at this point unless it would be multiple second rounders or you know something along those lines but uh or thon maker could be the other one i mean he's disappointed this year but i think uh the hope is i, I would not want to give up on him and sell low on him right now because especially the way that he's been used it's not been amazing although certainly i think his defensive effort and rebounding effort but i was just remembering that it's the it's going to be almost the three-year Oh no! Yeah, the three-year anniversary of a reigning rookie of the year point guard getting traded in that you know in the in that second season with Michael Carter Williams. I'm not saying Brogdon's nearly the the problematic player that he is, but there is an incentive to doing that in terms of trading high. And rookie of the year doesn't have much cachet for us, especially because I didn't have him as being my pick. But it certainly could to other teams. Yeah, and so uh, but I I talked about this with Stein because he's reported that the Bucks are uh, an interested suitor for DeAndre Jordan. I just don't really see the framework of a deal unless Jabari Parker is going to be involved in it and then even that would have to mean that more bad salary goes back as well so they have room under the tax to re-sign Jordan um, it's just too many moving parts here and especially I think with the kid firing that to me makes a move at the deadline less likely would you agree with that I would it's kind of like making a trade at the deadline yeah and I think they want to just kind of see how things settle out now uh, under Joe Prunty if you had to decide most likely player to be traded on this team who do you got huh I guess I'll go to let just because his contract is more palatable for a lot of these teams than Henson runs through 2020, uh, Delhi runs through 2020. So I would say him in that sense, you know, maybe if, if they wanted to just dump Rashad Vaughn on the context that they already declined the option on him and they want to clear a roster spot and it clears them a little bit more money that they could actually use, you know, maybe something like that. Yeah, to use in the buyout market right. with them having so much of their uh, MLE still available. Yeah, with his option being decline you think just even in, in a relatively small move that Rashad Bond Jason Terry cannot be traded uh because he would lose bird rights and you know I, I just don't see them moving Parker I think he just showed so much last year that they would be very loath to move him and the odds of him being back by the trade deadline seem pretty low and you're not going to judge it off a of three game before then anyway I would say Delhi just because or maybe Henson just because I think they might just want a center um but again coming up with the future assets to dump salary with it at this point seems kind of difficult Toledovich, you know, I don't think there's any the chances of him being back this year seem to be pretty low. I forget exactly what the announcement was on that score, but you know, obviously the 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 second bout with a pulmonary emboli is not good. Um, and certainly you'd have to wonder about you know whether he's ever going to be able to resume his career 
at this point and he's a value, probably the most valuable player of those three guys but just the fact that he can't play i think makes it less likely so i guess i probably would go with vaughn as well uh, just because guys who aren't part of the future on teams that are close to the tax they tend to get moved sometimes um and then i would say probably henson would be second yeah that seems fair all right there was one more thing that actually broke as we were recording Michael Jordan no, saying in a piece with local writer Rick Bonnell that Kemba Walker is kind of not on the block. Yeah, he he. The, it's phrased in the article that Jordan called the Observer, so meaning and meaning Bonnell, and to talk about what happened. And he said that there have been discussions, some initiated by the Hornets front office, but they're planning on only doing so if the return included a major All Star such as the San Antonio Spurs Kawhi Leonard. Well, <laughs> if that's what you're looking for, then as long as you hold to that word and don't do any of the artful like, oh, Frank Nokina is a potential All Star, like he could be a huge player. If that's what you're holding out for then you're keeping Kemba Walker now maybe this is just a ruse that like all right he's not on the block you got to do better with the offers uh but Jordan said also that he assured Walker that the Hornets are not predisposed to moving him um and so you could view this one of two ways it could be a ruse to say all right get these offers better or we're not moving him or hey try to create leverage like we don't have to move him but I think the more likely explanation and a reason why I was skeptical that they would move Walker to begin with is just that this does not seem to be a forward-thinking organization. There's been a lot of backlash in the community about potentially trading Walker, even though I think all those, and Bontemps wrote a good piece about this today about how all those reasons are ridiculous. And I'll add one to that too, which is, you know, the new contract that they'd have to give him a year and a half now is going to be a horrible contract for a team that's not going anywhere, if in fact he even would want to stay, which he probably wouldn't after more averageness. But I always was skeptical. I mean, this is something I think moving him is something that is necessary. I mean, maybe the offers are just so bad that it's just not worth it but i think it's necessary just in the sense of rebuilding and and getting a better draft pick to just try to get somewhere at, at some point um it's just they've had such a miserable existence since their return to charlotte in 20 or 2004 that maybe jordan just can't stomach going back to being in the absolute dregs of the league again so whether this is owner quote-unquote meddling whether it's just they don't have the fortitude to do this whether it's trying to reassure the fan base whether it's trying to create more leverage i think it's more likely the first few of those and that maybe they won't move them uh, after all no matter what it's still going to be a fun two plus weeks as we get here because there's to me there's more uncertainty about who is on the block than usual and i think kemba's a good representation of that yeah and to close here as bonald did in his article jordan's quote i'm telling you i believe in my team i'm disappointed in our record i'm frustrated at times but i'm telling you i like everything about kemba's work i'm not just going to throw him away so i agree don't throw him away but i think the return that was talked about in woge's article is a realistic one of, of a first round pick and, and some salary relief. all right we are finally done here stay tuned though to listen to our extended diatribe about jason kidd that we recorded earlier today as part of our stitcher premium efforts which we'll talk to you a little bit more about at a later point we're doing 12 episodes this year for stitcher premium that you'll be able to get along with a bunch of other stuff on their service but you'll get a little free taste of it right now so i'm gonna have to break in here now ex post facto we recorded this monday afternoon january 22nd and literally at the exact moment we began discussing jason kidd the news came down that he had been terminated by the bucks we of course weren't checking twitter giving our full attention to the recording process so we finished up about a half hour later and saw that as we both went on this epic rant about kids issues the news was coming down that he had been let go so we're going to leave this in there right now not a ton to say about joe prunty yet he had a nice stint when kid was out with 
with hip surgery a couple of years ago and so I, i've got some optimism for what he can do with the bucks going forward but not a, a huge resume to rank him on here in this exercise but i thought for posterity and just to listen to this with the irony the dramatic irony if you will that jason kidd's firing was being reported literally as we were talking about this originally is pretty amusing so back to the show and so now we get to talk about the last guy <laughs> da-da, and- da-da-da-da. Well, I'm-, I, I'm sure bucks maybe this, that'd be a great way to tease this premium service is just to tell bucks twitter in advance that like we're gonna rank jason kidd last i think they already would know that in their heart of hearts and yeah it's still it's cathartic hard, it's hard. to hear people say it is it, though, i think they are and, and i think i think what's what's challenging here is that there certainly are some positives with jason kidd and when you think about like the worst coach in the nba you're generally you're thinking about somebody who's really not bringing much to the table but the way that he has empowered Giannis and been able to say hey we're going to put the ball in his hands as, even as he's figuring this out like that is a massively important part of what the Bucks will eventually become but he is now impeding what they will become because of all the other nonsense that he's brought to the table yeah and kid interestingly enough if you just look at his record it's not bad you know I mean they had a really nice season his first year there really exceeded expectations made his playoffs played some great defense uh, that year although they were got some good three-point luck last year you would say they exceeded expectations as well but really I think because we've talked about all these guys and some of the criticisms of them have more up to this point have been well you know what like we can't really point to what they do as a clear positive but you know it's also not like they have been awful um kid you have just a ton of things that you can point to so let's start the list here Uh, number one playing his guys just a crap load of minutes I mean especially with Giannis this year where he's had this recurring knee problem and had to periodically be shut down and then he comes back and he's playing 42 minutes game uh you know Chris Middleton falls into into that category as well he's really just playing an absolute crap ton of minutes then there are other guys where you know his rotations just make no sense whatsoever on a game-to-game basis he just he has this overwhelming need to play someone like DeAndre Liggins or Jason Terry I mean and it's admirable in some respects that he wants to give everyone a chance but he doesn't do it in a way that makes sense the way Steve Kerr does where there's clearly a plan to do this beforehand his coaching is just incredibly ad hoc he'll play guys for like 18 straight minutes like he'll do that with Giannis all the time in the second half and not even take him out until there's six minutes left in the game um and then that doesn't even get into probably the most frustrating thing which is their defensive system I can't believe you didn't start there just because at in the early days of this Bucks team it made some sense just because the attacking system and there were other things they didn't do they eventually and they took people by surprise they absolutely they don't anymore and now they also have shockingly good personnel for a more conventional defense i think with as long yeah. as they worked hard they could be a very good defense in that way so it is it is actively holding them back because it is yeah. this is a team that underperforms its defensive talent i think more than any team in the NBA, i would in terms of the 100 percent agree with that and when you think about the fact that he also has in many circumstances played awful offensive players because of their defensive talent it makes it even more egregious yeah the, i mean ligan's a, a big part of that earlier gary payton um yeah gary payton part of and they've had a few injuries but not that many i mean right now this team has the 25th ranked fence in the nba according to cleaning the glass i mean that is just and they've got like what they should be doing we've been saying this for years is because for those who are listening to this and aren't familiar with it as much their defensive system is extremely aggressive they bring their bigs way up to the level of the ball sometimes they'll even uh trap pick and rolls they force an immediate pass a lot of times they'll even bring another guy over to get the roll man and so but any team that moves the ball is going to be able to get wide open corner threes or 
wide open shots at the rim because they're scrambling around so much and if they just went to a more conservative system where they either switch or just drop back and force teams to shoot mid-rangers i mean who are the guys they have in the team eric bledsoe is a wonderful defensive point guard Giannis is you know one of the has the some of the best talent that we've ever seen defensively at the forward position uh tony snell is has great length he's a very solid defender on the wing chris middleton is a guy who has plenty of defensive talent he's not a stopper but he's totally adequate there john henson is an excellent shot blocker thon maker is a guy who can both move his feet and switch on the perimeter and also block shots we've seen so many individual defensive flashes from these players matthew delavadova plays really hard defensively um i mean nearly everyone who gets minutes for them at this point malcolm brogdon can be beaten beaten up pretty badly one-on-one but he's also a guy who's smart and plays hard i mean he's probably their worst guy among their rotation guys at this point as a defensive player and yet they're 25th in the nba i mean i'd say they have at least top 10 talent maybe even top five defensive talent on the team and what they should be doing is either playing more conventionally or switching as much as possible i mean even eric bledsoe could be a solid switch guy with his strength and athleticism and length and just forcing teams to beat their good individual defenders one-on-one instead of saying oh we've got all this awesome length let's have these guys run as far away from the basket as possible and just open up layups and three-pointers in the corner it just really does not make a ton of sense and he's experimented a little bit with more conservative styles i thought those worked to a reasonable degree but you know he has not particularly stuck with those uh, and like in a game against boston earlier right like they got killed in the first quarter because they had been conservative early or or in the couple of games before that he goes super aggressive in the first quarter they get killed by boston's ball movement they're down by like 15 points after the first quarter and then they almost came back and won the game when they went more conservative but still you know they has not uh, adopted that style and it's been a, a massive source of, of frustration the other major for- source of frustration is just the 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 basic coaching things that can get there like fouling in weird circumstances oh not fouling in circumstances timeout usage just like, all of those like he thinks he's outsmarting everyone and he's just in fact just doing things that make absolutely no sense from a math perspective. It, it ties in bill simmons like, i think this he, he intentionally fouled up by four right like like the, like with 10 seconds left so the the analogy that simmons used at one point bill simmons was like just having a kid who played a lot of madden and just like having them be your common sense person like kid does things that if you just talk to somebody who's been around like who, who's in there they're sitting there going what the hell is this and tries to tries to explain it and the explanations sometimes are even worse than the tactical decisions oh, my one of my favorite ones was they're up by three with like 1.5 seconds left the other team has no timeouts and he instructs they're shooting a free throw the last free throw he instructs Giannis to miss the free throw intentionally so that then you know the clock will will run out and the, the other team has to, like can't throw it in bounds and get it down but like if you make the free throw you're up four the game is over and he's like well I was afraid there would be you know there could be a four shot or, or a, a three-pointer that he got fouled and it's like well just tell your guys to just all lay down on the they can walk they off the court yeah, I mean, it's just, it's like just outsmarting for the sake of outsmarting. And he does that with his rotations. And he just, he believes so much in his own feel for the game because of how he played. But yet, like, 
he's not able to actually he just thinks he's so much smarter than he actually is and it's just it's very difficult to deal with another thing too that you can look at is i think he's kind of gotten into Giannis's head a little bit on his jump shot uh Giannis feels really guilty about taking jumpers even though you know if you watch him in warm-ups he'll hit him pretty well and then uh thon maker now his big advice to thon maker is that a disappointing year is oh well we don't want you taking any three-pointers where he shoots like 37 percent we want you to take more long twos instead and so for so much of their offense i mean their offense looks really bad too let's not forget that as well they have no spacing on this offense despite having plenty of shooting talent if they just said hey thon maker just go stand in the corner or go you know go run pick and pops and never stand inside the three-point line their offense would be so much better now it's like oh take some long twos thon maker hang out in the dunker spot even though maker is not a good th- finisher around the rim at this point in his career um they can't get a defensive rebound in part because they're flying oh. around like crazy all the time on defense i thought you were going to go to the point of the other egregious element of having thon maker in the dunker spot is that they don't go for offensive rebounds <laughs> like if having him in the corner would actually facilitate certain elements of their philosophy but just don't do it <sighs> yeah i mean like maker is was so impressive you're right i mean they've been since he arrived uh, 23rd or below every year in defensive rebound rate and then an offensive rebound rate the last two years they've been really low they're in the teens his first couple of years um but that's not, i mean he does deserve some credit for the fact that certain guys have developed pretty well under him chris middleton's another guy like that who was just not a considered a real quality nba player and so perhaps he deserves some credit for empowering those players to some degree but you know i'm not sure that you can really specifically point to what's been done there for him so yeah I, I mean I think he if you're gonna look at the list of coaches and say yeah you know what this guy probably is not doing a good job you know he's the only one that I could specifically point to with in good conscience say yeah I think if they if they got an upgrade with just any kind of an average coach that they would be a lot better and, and that again that speaks well to the overall coaching talent that's in the league right now I think a lot of kind of the low-hanging fruit that coaches used to do poorly has been cleaned up just in general and perhaps there's less of a difference between you know the 10th best head coach in the league and the 23rd best head coach in the league than there's ever been but kid is the one that i point to where i'm like man like they just they got to move on from him like they, they, there's so much talent on this team they could be doing so much better yeah no arguments for me and and it's great that that a lot of these coaches like i mean we were talking about vogel and gentry to a point late in this conversation and those guys i could see them being successful in another circumstance i i, I don't yeah. the this isn't like the nfl where you know the the retreads were coaches that were actively unsuccessful in different places and don't deserve a shot i'm not saying i would necessarily call them first but there's that and then i don't know with the assistant coaches i'm sure there are always rising assistant coaches or coaches in europe or other places that can do it so it's a really good time for that and also i think that reflects nba teams realizing how important the organizational elements are to a successful team and so it's getting to that point and i think that's part of why basketball the the, the nba has looked a lot better the last couple years yeah that's a, a great point just in terms of the game being more aesthetically pleasing who's the toughest to rank for you uh, on this list for me i thought uh, uh ty Lu was probably number one in terms of toughest to rank. Lou quinn snyder just because i like I, yep. I i understand why you picked him kind of as the vanity pick because i had you know i had him in the same tier just a little bit lower because i like a lot of it but he hasn't established it in the same type of way that was really tough hmm casey was another guy too just due to the dichotomy between his regular season and postseason resumes oh and hoiberg because we 
we just yeah. we haven't really gotten to see it. But at the same point, he's coached long enough, so this isn't like Kenny Atkinson where we just haven't seen it. It's just that the we think the sample size, like Brett Brown, we think the sample size with them is not reflective, and so that's hard. Yeah, Tibbs was another one of those guys. Yeah, because he, I mean, the defensive record in Chicago, certainly coming out of Chicago, you'd say this is one of the best guys. They've started to play better defensively lately. How real is that? How real is the fact that they didn't defend at all last year? Then there's the whole overuse thing. Not a ton of offensive creativity although they still have had pretty you know better offensive results than perhaps that lack of creativity would indicate i think you know he's he has guys hit the offensive boards which you could argue maybe is something that teams aren't doing enough these days um who would you say is like the best coaching prospect uh we'll say three or fewer years of experience before this year kenny atkinson no hesitation i think snyder actually might, by that criteria would be in there oh would too, he qualify yeah, I mean, I think he's kind of been around yeah I think oh, he's, he's coached so long here this is his fourth year as jazz it is but yeah i mean he's 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 also a little bit older you know i don't know that's necessarily put him in there but yeah atkinson would probably be the guy but yeah i mean i, I think with luke walton and, and brett brown i still think of him as kind of a young coach just because you know he hasn't really had a real team until last year uh so we haven't seen what he could do but those those are the three guys i would look at that uh, and i mean brad stevens obviously is i think in terms of actual age is younger than just about any of those guys except maybe Walton. uh and obviously has a, a wonderful resume to date as well um who would you say are the three coaches with with the least job security on this i mean now this is this is not our uh conception it's just you know who do we think will be most likely to be done from vogel is in the conversation because the magic have have underperformed expectations and it's a new front office i'd say that he's probably number one on my hot seat rankings right now yeah you know it's funny i mean do you think he almost hurt himself with that eight and four start that like yep. the, the nosedive after that almost just seems worse yeah I, w- I would agree with that i would say number two is yeah. probably i mean but they're they're 20 27th in defense i mean that's pretty yeah. inexcusable it is and they haven't been good at defense even after vooch has been out yeah. so and 20 29th in defensive rebounding that's just that's really bad as well so then the other two guys in either order are to me are malone and kid because malone i mean if they don't make the playoffs that is a even if Millsap misses a bunch of the year that is a massive failure and there isn't really another place for that blame to go anymore and then kid i mean we've talked about it enough at, at a certain point i feel like that that makes it through that makes it through enough and and i mean yeah. you look at what this team could be it's and, the and mark there are jackson rumors that he could yeah. he could have been in trouble last year before they went on a, a nice run where they just happened to win a bunch of of close games um alvin gentry his contract i believe expires at the end of the year so that that's one where you just would have to look at it solely for that yeah that's a good call i forgot what his contract situation was and, and Ty Lue, there have been some small rumblings at least although the players were supportive of him when asked about it but that's what they're always going to say unless they're alonzo ball um, um, but you know that's another one you'd look at just because they have looked so bad recently you know I mean, at some point if that like if they don't turn it around i mean if they're you would have to maybe point to him as a possibility but he's got a lot of money left <laughs> on his contract too but uh, all right uh, anything else you want to say about this i mean my big takeaway again is just that i think the coaching profession overall in the nba is probably better than it's ever been. yeah that was my big takeaway too i mean i had in so my first i did kind of positives negatives and then in between and then unsure i had 15 positives before even going to the unsure guys some of whom made it up there and that was surprising to me
Jamie. I mean, we talk sometimes about the, the the mistakes that coaches make, but overall, I think teams are running good stuff or getting that point. Best practices are making their way through. So I, I'm I'm excited to see where this goes because I'm sure there are prospects other places that will even make this better. Yeah, and just even as we're live tweeting games as we're doing the tour NBA show, we're we're not far fewer face Paul moment than there used to be years ago. Uh, so that's a good thing to end on here. I hope you enjoyed our, our first attempt here with Stitcher Premium. I, I hope that this is something that can hold up a, a little bit more over the next couple of months if you're listening to this a little bit after we've recorded but our schedule we're going to do one of these about every month or so so again trying to find some topics that will have a little bit more of a shelf life and uh, if you've got any interesting topics that would fall into that please tweet me at nate duncan nba danny is at danny larue and we'll talk to y'all next month till then reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing uh <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.